Are they? I was going to say. Alright, so Acts chapter 10. We did the la- first half last week. So what's going on, just in case some of y'all weren't here, and I know none of the youth were here. Um, in Acts chapter 10, at the beginning, Peter has a vision that God told him all foods are now clean. And that vision pertained to also people. Peter said that uh, he, he was called to uh, go to Cornelius' house. And P- Jews didn't go with, to Gentile houses because they would be unclean, wouldn't be able to worship, wouldn't be able to go into the temple. And so uh, Peter sees this vision. Uh, God tells him, do not call unclean what God has made clean. And at that moment, uh, the knock at the door comes. These three guys that Cornelius, who was a Roman soldier, sent to get Peter. God had revealed to Cornelius in a vision, I want you to send for Peter. He's, uh, he's going to come. He's going to give you a message. This Roman soldier believed in God. He trusted in the God of Israel. He wasn't saved. Because that's why Peter was coming to him uh, to bring him the message of salvation. But God had divinely put these two guys together. And so Peter, is. we left off last time where Peter and he brought six Jewish people with him to go to Cornelius' house. And so we left off. They were on the road. They were on the, the way to get to Cornelius' house. Is there any questions about anything that we don't remember? Any questions about anything at all? Remember we talked about they were, uh, uh, we were talking about clean and unclean last week. We were talking about the fact that no longer is there any distinction. The Bible made it clear in Acts chapter 10 that although there are laws in Leviticus and, and, and numbers about uh, eating shellfish and don't eat pork and those kind of things, God has taken all of those out of the way. He told Peter that all animals are now clean and Peter understands that this vision was made, was given to him so that he would understand that the Gentiles now were not to be considered unclean and that the gospel was to come forth for them as well. What he was saying was that from now on, from this point on, uh, Gentiles, and Gentiles, anybody that's not Jewish, but a Gentile uh, could come and be right with God in the kingdom of God without becoming Jewish. Before then, if you wanted to come to the God of Israel, you had to come, you had to come to the temple, you had to come to Jerusalem, you had to come be part of Judaism and all those kind of things. Uh, but now, you don't have to do that. You can come right to Christ. And so that's what Peter's going to do. So what we're seeing here is uh, Peter is on his way to uh, Cornelius' house. So we're going to start in verse um, where are we at? Let's say 23. Let's just read that. So that's the background. It says, Then called he them in and lodged them. Peter told the people that came to visit him and tell him, Cornelius wants to see you. Peter called them in and he they stayed the night there. It says, On the morrow, the next day, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So Peter went away with the men that Cornelius sent for him to uh, to go get Peter. And uh, he also brought six Jewish brethren with him. That's going to be important. He brought them as witnesses as to what God was going to do among the Gentiles. 
It says, And the morrow after they entered Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. Now, first thing I want you to see is that... uh, Cornelius was a man, and uh, his it was he was a man that was hungry for God's word. He was hungry for God's word, and he uh, he he understood that God's word was coming to him, and that it was important for he and his whole family. Peter Cornelius knew that um, he kind of knew what time Peter would arrive. Because he sent these guys out to go find Peter, and then uh, then uh, he sent them to go find Peter, and he knew it was this so many days' journey away this way, and he knew it was so many days' journey back. So he kind of knew when Peter would be would be here, you know, coming to the house. So what did he do? He called all his friends, he called all his family, he called all his kinsmen together, he called all his the people that he loved together, and he says, you know what, Peter's going to be coming. He's gonna going to be coming by and I want you to be here when he gets here. I want you to be here to hear the word of God when he comes and he tells, he's got a word for us. God spoke to me, this is what Cornelius would say, God spoke to me and he gave me a vision saying that this man of God, Peter, was going to come and he was going to bring a word from God. He was going to come and tell us how to be saved. He was going to come and tell us what God requires. And so what he did, instead of just waiting around, you know what, I know Peter's coming and he's going to come give us a word. He gathered together all his family. He gathered together all his friends. He gathered together all his loved ones. And he says, y'all come and y'all wait. And can you imagine, he, he knew about kind of when Peter was going to arrive, but he didn't know what time. I mean, he figured if Peter left that morning, he would be there at a certain time. If he left that evening, he'd be there at a certain time. So I just wonder what it was like. What do you think it was like for this family all gathered in a the room? They're just waiting on dude to show up. I mean, it's like all y'all gathered together right here. Can you imagine if I'm here and and I say, you know what? God has sent a certain man that's going to come and give us a word from God. And he's going to be here today. And we're just kind of sitting around waiting for him. You know, it's it's after a while you'd get tired of talking just to, you know, kind of, you know, kind of keep things going. I wonder what these people were thinking. Do you think that do you think that they were I don't know if Cornelius gathered them all together What do you think he wanted? Why do you think he wanted his family, his friends, his loved one, his kinsmen to be in the be in the house when Peter got there? Oh please, you got to say something. No, nobody. Yeah, and he wanted his loved ones to hear it. He was so excited. He was so excited that God was going to send his man, so to speak, to come and, and speak to them. He was so excited that he was going to hear. He had heard God's voice. God said, this is what I want you to do. Your alms and your prayers have come up before me as a memorial that we read that last week. I want you to send some men to Joppa and you find this guy named Peter and you bring him to you. And he's going to tell you what I have commanded him to tell you. And so Cornelius is so excited. He knows that this is not just a word for him. He knows it's a word that's going to be important for his whole family. It's going to be important for his neighbors, his kinsmen, the people that he loves 
his friends. It's going to be important for all of them. And he's so excited. Now remember, this is not just any person. This is a Roman centurion. This is a Roman who was, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, he was an officer. He was he was uh, um, somebody that held, he was probably a citizen of Rome. And he was somebody that held kind of a high office there in Palestine. They would have been, they would have been, uh, people looked up to him. People would have been, uh, you know, a centurion before told Jesus, you know, I tell people to go and they go. And I tell people to come and they come. I know what it's like to be a man under authority. And so when the guy was so excited, when he came in, when he came in, Peter walked in the door. Uh, he first thing he did, this Roman centurion, he went and bowed down before him. He went and tried to worship him like he was some kind of divine person. Now, we know this wasn't the right thing to do. And Peter immediately corrects him. He was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I'm just a man like you. I'm not anybody to be worshipped. But what it does is it shows that it shows the excitement. It shows the excitement that Peter had as he, not Peter, but Cornelius had as he was uh, ready to hear the word of God. He was ready to hear what God had, had spoken to him. He was ready to, uh, to understand what God had in store for him. He was excited. And the fact, what is that? Oh, I thought some dude was driving around like somebody was bumping in the parking lot or something. It's like, I am fixing to go outside. I'm fixing to have some. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. He was, he was excited. He was excited about what was going to happen. How often do we come? To hear the word of God and we're that excited. How often do we come and we gather our friends and family together? Do we ever act like that? Remember, this guy's not saved. He's not. He he believed in the God of Israel and he was as Jewish as a Gentile could be. But he wasn't he wasn't born again yet. That's why Peter was coming. The Holy Spirit has not indwelled this man yet. But yet he understood the importance of what was about to happen. So much so that he gathered all his friends together. He said... Look, you know, I can hear y'all talking in here. It's like an echo going on. Y'all know that, right? Okay, I'm just making sure. I, I don't mind you doing it, but just don't, I mean, don't. morons not written on my forehead. I can't hear you. Okay, just letting you know. All right, so how many of us do, how many of us do, that's how I do in youth class, I'm sorry. How many of us do that? We gather, we gather people together. We gather our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones. And how many of us just come and say, you know what, it's church time, let's go to church. Do you see the difference between understanding? I mean, did you, when you left this morning, when you left, man, that is going to get old quick. When you left this morning to come to church, were you in awe? Were, did you think, did it cross your mind that you were going to hear a word from the Lord? You were going to be in the presence of God as he, as, as you come to him in worship, as you come to him in praise, as you come to him, you were going to be in the very presence of God. Did that, does that cross our mind or are we kind of used to it? Huh? 
Yeah, we're just kind of used to this is what we do. You know, we go to church, and I, I mean, I'm not. I find myself that way sometimes. You know, getting up, getting a shower. It's Sunday. Well, let me hurry up. I, I know I got to set my alarm, and and it's time to get to church. And man, whoo! I'm sure I'm tired. I stayed out yesterday. I, I find myself sometimes doing that. But this this Cornelius, he was. I mean, he was so excited. I mean, it was a man who who knew that he would never be accepted. Uh, he was a Gentile, not just a Gentile, but he was a Roman. The Jews hated the Romans. He was a Roman, and if he was worshiping the God of Israel, he was only allowed to go so far into the temple. Couldn't go past the court of the Gentiles. He couldn't get close to God. You know, that was, that was the kind of thing. He could only go so far. And you remember, we talked about this before, the court of the Gentiles was where they had all the animals, you know, selling lambs and sheep. And it was like a big sheep market, like a big flea market. So this is as far into the temple as he could go if he wanted to go worship God. So in all reality, he couldn't worship God because even as far as he could go into the temple, it was a flea market in there. You know, so this is a man by his 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 by his recollection, by his thoughts, he would never be accepted by this God, God of Israel, the God of Isaac, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And all of a sudden, this God speaks to him and says, call for Peter. I'm going to send you a man that's going to bring you a command from me, a word from me, a gospel, the gospel from me. And this so excited him that he gathered everybody together. All of them sitting in the house. You know, well, Cornelius, when's he going to show up? I mean, we've been here for three hours. And then all of a sudden he says, you know, uh, I, I looked outside and I, he's not coming. He's almost here. I'm surely he's going to be here. God said he was coming. I can imagine what was going on. And when he finally hit the door, Cornelius was so excited that he hit the ground to worship Peter. He was so excited that God's man had finally arrived. And Peter, of course, said, whoa, whoa, that's a little too much. You're not supposed to be worshiping me. You're supposed to be worshiping God. And it said, in the part that we just read, it said, and as Peter, verse 25 said, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet in worship. And it says, but Peter took him up saying, stand up. I myself also am a man. 27 says, and as he talked with him, he went in, he went further into the house. And what did he find? He found many that were come together. Peter walks in and looks around and says, whoa, it's a lot of people here. Look at all these people. Look at all these people that are ready to hear the word of the Lord. All these were Gentiles. These were the kinsmen and the family and the friends of Cornelius. And so I, I can't overstate the, the, the magnitude of what Peter was defiled as being a, as in the Jewish mind anyway. He was defiled by just walking through the door. And he walks into the into this room, into the door. He knows that God said that no no man is unclean anymore, and the gospel can go forth to all. The kingdom of God is open to all. So he knew that that, that was out of the way. But just by walking in, he, he is faced with a crowd like maybe this size of Gentiles that are ready to hear God's word. And so. Look what he says. Cornelius was an excited guy. Peter looks at all these people uh, and he says, it says, verse 28 says, And he said unto them, You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. When did he show him that? Huh? When he went in, just, I mean, just now, has he gone to the house? Right. 
in the vision. When he told him, uh, don't make anything unclean that I have made clean. He showed him in the vision that, uh, that uh, Peter applies it to men here. He says, God, don't call any man common or unclean. Peter says, therefore, I came unto you without gainsaying, without doubting, without making a distinction. As soon as I was sent for, I asked, therefore, for what intent you have sent for me. Okay. Uh, Peter explains why he came. You know, he explains that God had revealed to him that there's no man that's unclean. And he asked Cornelius, why did you send for me? Now, if you were with us last week, you know that Peter has already been told twice why he is going to Cornelius' house. Why do you think he asked Cornelius, why have you sent for me, when he's already been told? He was told by God to go with the men. They're going, he's going to preach to Cornelius. Then he went down and he met the men. He said, what do you want? The men said, Cornelius, our master, has sent for you. He saw a vision from God. Why do you think he asked them again? And I don't have no profound reason that you probably never thought of. I'm just asking. What, 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 what was Peter's deal? Why don't you think, why do you think he kept asking, now what is it that you want me to, you think he was afraid? You think he was, maybe afraid is not the best word, hesitant? Uncertain? Uncertain? In times past, the people persecuted and killed the man of God that came to them with the word of God. And I'm pretty sure that was on his mind at the time. That, you know, seeing how that the uh, Jews and the Romans were so adamant toward one another all the time. I'm pretty sure he thought it might have been a little hesitant to go into a Roman centurion's house. Yeah. yeah that's that's very possible because, you know. Huh? Maybe he was intimidated. He didn't expect all those people there. Yeah, he didn't expect that there's going to be a room full of Gentiles. He might have thought he was just going to sneak in, talk to Cornelius, sneak out. You know, that's very true. The difference of it is that God prepared the way for him. Oh, yeah. It already went ahead of him and prepared the way for him to be there. Centurion's excitement over the newness of what he was about to experience way before he got it. Heart part as you talked about this morning. Yeah. Way down the road later on, you know, people get their hearts hardened as they walk the walk the life. But uh, his newness, his excitement is uh, refreshing to see somebody so oh, yeah. excited to hear about yeah. what was available. God was definitely moving in his heart. God was definitely drawing him to himself. But I also think that it could come from where God had prepared Peter, knowing, you know, God had told him that you're going to go to Cornelius' house. I also think he could have been asking him to see the condition of Cornelius' heart. You know, where do you stand? I just want to see where you stand. If you're, what you're asking of me is of God as well. Yeah. Uh, that's true too. You know, a lot of times people will come, and you'll—I've had this myself. You know, a lot of times I'll, when someone comes, and let's say you're giving an invitation or, or whatever's going on, and the, the person will come forward. The first thing you ask is, "What do you want?" I mean, what is it that you're here for? Because you know, I can say. 
son, you're lost. Repeat after me. And they repeat after me. And you know what? That may be wonderful for the time, but that ain't going to do no good. You know, I want to know, I want to know what it is that you want, you know? So maybe that's what Peter was thinking. And I, I do think that you're right about the Jews as well too, because if you see, we're, we're probably going to skip over chapter 11 verses one through 18, because what that is, is just Peter retelling this story, you know, about what everything happened, but he's telling it to a Jewish council. And, and so he, he's kind of hesitant. Like this is for us. It's like, you know, kill and eat shellfish or pork, you know, Hey, where, give me a fork. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready to roll, you know, but for Peter, you got to remember this is, this is like so different than anything that he's ever experienced. He was brought up knowing that food, these different foods were unclean. These people were unclean. You can't go into their house. You can't eat with them. If you do, you have to go through this ritual to cleanse yourself, to go into the temple. This it's sin. It's evil. It's wrong. He'd been, he'd been, he'd grown up understanding all these things. And for this, it was a paradigm shift. It was a shift of thinking. And it probably wasn't like a light switch that flipped in Peter's mind. It probably took a long time. He probably wrestled with it the rest of his life. And you can even see in the book of Galatians, we talked about last week, where he, he kind of fell back into it with Galatians, right? When the, when he was eating and, and with the Gentiles, everything was fine. Here comes some Jewish men into the church in Antioch and uh, in, in the area of Galatia. And Peter started drawing back from them and eating with the Jews. And Paul had to really get right in his face and saying, you're not living according to the gospel. So this was a huge thing for Peter. And so when he walks in, he sees all these people. He asks Cornelius, what is it that you want? Cornelius says something. He tells him the story. He says, uh, Cornelius said, verse 30, four days ago I was fasting. He tells him the story of what happened. Until this hour, at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in right clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard. Thy alms uh, are, are, are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call brother hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodged with the house in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. And then look at this. It says, 33 says, Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. He says, thank you for coming. He says, now therefore, look what he says. We all, we are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Did you see, you see what, what Cornelius understood? <coughs> We're not just getting a letter here. We're not just coming to hear some good preacher. We're not just here to come hear an apostle speak. He said all of us, he's, he's standing with all his friends, his family, his kinsmen, all, all them that he's gathered into the house. He says all of us are right here. We're here in the presence of God. We're here. You know that verse where it says where two or three are gathered, I'll, I'll be with you in the midst. Understand that you and I are here as we sit in church, as we sit here and we go to worship, we go to hear his word. We're in the presence of God. And he said, we're here not to hear you, Peter, not to hear what you think about this, not to hear what you think about that. But we're here to hear what God has commanded you to tell us. We're here to hear a word from God. We're here that because God said he was going to speak through you. And so the heart of Cornelius is it just seems like God is doing so much work in his heart. I can imagine Peter just being astounded. 
I can imagine him being astounded that God has, has, has moved these people's hearts so much that even more than the people of Israel, these Gentiles, these Romans, I mean, my goodness, the people that they hated the most are ready to hear a word from God that Peter's going to speak to them. They're, they're, they're excited and they're expected. We often don't come like that. We don't come expecting to hear a word from God. In, in the book of James, it says, it says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives, you know, without, you know, gives freely to all who ask him. But the very next verse says, but that man who asks, let him not doubt. Let him not let him ask in faith, not doubting for a double minded man's unstable and shouldn't shouldn't think that he will receive anything from God. So you got a whole room full of people here in a few minutes that are going to come into this room and they're not expecting anything. They're here just to fulfill their duty. It's Sunday. We go to church. It's what we're supposed to do. Some of them are going to be coming just because all this pie sitting over here. You know, some of them are going to be coming just because, hey, it's fellowship meal. You know, you'd be surprised when you stand up on the on the stage. Stage, you can see everything that goes on. I mean, I can see when you turn your head, it catches my eye when you lean over and you whisper in somebody's ear. I mean, you see everything, you know, and you get to see, you get to see in faces that only show up on Fellowship Meal Sunday. You know what I mean? You get to see. So there's people coming for lots of reasons. There's people coming because mama invited me, because whatever, all these things. But there is also people that are coming expecting to hear a word from the Lord. And those people always receive a word from the Lord. You understand? You come not expecting, you, just like James says, you ask for wisdom, You come, you come. God will give you wisdom, but you don't ask in doubt. You ask in faith. The one doubting doesn't, he shouldn't think that he should receive anything from the Lord. But the man coming expecting to hear from God will always hear from God. Now, it may not be what you want to hear, but you will hear from God. Think about it this way. If last night something happened to, I don't know, somebody you love, one of your children, one of your brothers and sisters, just somebody that you love. And right now they were fighting for their life in, in a hospital bed somewhere or, or whatever, you know, something like that's going on. OK, if you came into this building with that on your mind, you would have a need. You would be praying about that need. You would be seeking God about it. You would come, God, you have got to move in this. You would come with an expectation that God is going to answer a prayer. Or God is going to hear your prayer. Or God is going to work in these circumstances. You would come with an expectation. You would come with a heightened ear, wouldn't you? You would come with a heightened sense of, okay, is this God speaking to me? Is God trying to tell me? What's God... That is the way that we come into the presence of God. That is the way that we're called to come and hear the word of God and come and hear the, what, God has, uh, what God has prepared for us. Because God is going to speak through his word. His word will never go out void. It'll never go out. It'll always accomplish exactly what it's intended to do. So even though you, you, know, you stand up, if I stand up today and I preach and I, I, whatever, the, this guy over here might be playing on his phone the whole service and not get nothing. 
nothing. But God may be speaking to this guy in power and authority and glory and all those things. God's word is going to go out. But the, the question is, the question is, are you expecting, are you coming expecting that God is going to speak to you? That's what Cornelius and these people were doing. They said, we're not here just to goof off. We're not here to hear rules and regulations. We're not here to hear what you think about something. We're here gathered in the presence of God to hear what God has commanded you. Okay? We need to move on. I'm I'm taking way too much time. It's 10 o'clock now. Okay. So this is Peter's sermon. Verse 34. All right. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. That means Jew, Gentile. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Now that's what Peter said. Now, does that mean that if you fear God and you do good things, you're a saved person? That's the right answer. Why is it the right answer? It says right here, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. What does that mean? If it doesn't mean you work for your salvation, what does it mean? That's exactly what it means. That's exactly what it means. He's saying that now the Gentiles are just like the Jews. Do the Jews, are they already automatically saved? No. no. Peter's been preaching to them for nine chapters. You know, the apostles have been preaching to them in the temple saying, you come to Christ. They, they were saying, your, your religion and your ritual is not going to help you. You need Jesus. And they've been preaching the gospel from Acts chapter 1 all the way up until here. What he's saying now is that every nation, every person, no matter what tribe, no matter what tongue, no matter what nation, they're all exactly equal except acceptable to God. They all need Christ and they all can come to Christ, but there is not one nation now that is more clean than the other nation. That's what he's saying. Everyone that fears God and does righteousness is able to come to God through Christ. It's not just a Jew Gentile thing anymore. It's a it's a humanity thing. If you no matter if you're from Zimbabwe or you're from your South America or North America, of course it wasn't no North America then. If you're from Rome, if you're from Palestine, if you're from Israel, all people are acceptable by God if they come to him through Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter's going to preach. So Peter says, no respecter of person. They're all accepted. The word with God, which God, verse 36, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all, saying not just Israel, but Lord of all. He said, that word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea, began from Galilee after the baptism with John preached. He's going through Jesus' ministry, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before God, even to us who eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead, to give all to him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission of sin. That's a whole lot to say at one time, I know, but uh, we're trying to hurry. Now, if you go back and it says... Um, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Does that mean that Jesus is not God? Yes. 
What does it mean that it says God, the New Testament authors, the New Testament writers will always, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, they'll use God as synonymous with the Father, uh, Lord as synonymous with the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. What does it mean that God, the Father, anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit? That's true. It says She said Jesus couldn't do anything without the Father's blessing. But why is that true? Huh? Well, He was all man. He was 100% man, but He was also 100% God. And so, just for sake of time, let me show you. It's called, well, uh, more about that. But in Philippians chapter 2, we, it talks about how Jesus laid aside... The prerogatives of his deity. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. God the Son. He was God the Son before there was a creation. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And so what he did in becoming a man. He didn't lay aside his deity. He didn't stop being God. But he laid aside the prerogatives of his deity. Does that make sense? He did not use his divine attributes. His divine power. uh, So... What what did he do his miracles by? How did he accomplish all the miracles that he accomplished? Because God gave him all authority. God did give him all authority. What was the power by which he did the miracles? Yes. Woo. It was all it was faith. Yeah, people people said your faith has made you whole go and believe in faith has raised him from the dead, all those kind of things. But it was the Holy Ghost. God imparted, God the Father imparted the the Holy Ghost upon the Son of God so that all his miracles were done in the power. Jesus was all God, he was all man, but he laid aside. That's in Philippians 2. Please go and read it. It's a very important passage. It said he made, Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of the, uh, taking on the form of a servant, form of a man, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus, it wasn't a fact of, there's a lot of different things out there that teach that Jesus was just a man and God just kind of zapped him with the power and made him Messiah. That's false, false doctrine. Because it says Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant. When did he do that? He did that before his birth in Bethlehem. I know that's a little confusing and I'm going really, really fast. But you need to understand that Jesus himself, God himself, took on human flesh and laid aside the, the working of his divine power uh, in order to become a man. And he did all the things that he did, the miracles, the healings, the all those things. He did those by the power of the Holy Spirit, wholly dependent upon God. He prayed to his father. Father while he was here on earth. He he depended completely upon God the Father and the Holy Spirit. He was a perfect example of what man should be to us. He was perfectly dependent upon the Father and the Spirit. Does that make sense? Yes, but it also shows perfect perfection relationship with God the Father, which is why Jesus came to the least to be Yes, I agree with that 100%. Jesus' relationship with God is now our relationship with God. Doesn't mean that you're God or I'm God or anything like that, but... 
I explain it this way, and I've, you've probably heard this before. Uh, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit lived in perfect love relationship with each other for all eternity before there was ever a creation. God is love. God has always been love. You can't love unless there is something to love. So God, the Father, Spirit, Son, loved each other. Hold on just a second. And, and let, me, let me get this out, and then you can say. Uh, they were in love relationship with each other, and He wanted to bring mankind into that love relationship but we sinned, screwed it all up. So the so the second person of the Trinity, the Son, took on flesh, came as a man, and when he ascended back into heaven after dying for our sin, he brought all those who believed in him, who trusted in him, back into that perfect relationship. Now go. Did he not receive the spirit of full man where we in part? Yeah, I guess you could say that because we well I don't want to say we receive we receive the the whole of the Holy Spirit, but we still have the flesh, and we we tend to walk in the flesh. Whereas Jesus never sinned, never walked in the flesh, always perfect obedience to the Father. Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> Finally, while Peter yet spoke these words, and this is important, I really hope I can get to it. I only got a few minutes. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed. Who were they? They of the circumcision which believed. Who were these guys? The Jews that Peter brought with him, right? Which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know? Verse 46. For they heard them speaking with tongues and magnify God. They answered Peter, Can any man forbid water these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we have? And he commanded they be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they prayed, then they prayed they him to tarry certain days. Now, we talked about this when we talked about Pentecost. Okay? And I told you, how many times does it say in the book of Acts that someone spoke in tongues? I can make a good case that it's just other languages. How many times? Anybody remember? Twice. No, more than twice. Three times. Three times in the book of Acts, it's mentioned twice in 1 Corinthians. The only mention that it is in the entire Bible. Three times in the book of Acts, twice in uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 14. Now, I told you, we looked in at Pentecost. What was the phenomenon that went on at Pentecost? Was it spiritual angel language that nobody understood at Pentecost? No. It was languages of all the nations of the Jews that they said they understood in each language. Now, I also told you way back then that I can make a really good case that right here in Acts chapter 10, they were speaking languages that these Jews could understand. They were Romans speaking Aramaic or Hebrew or something like that because they knew that they glorified God. Let me tell you how I do that. Let me tell you how I said it. We're probably going to skip over chapter 11, but real quick, look over in verse chapter 11. Verse 17, Peter is explaining himself to the Jewish council as to why he went in with the Gentiles. And Peter says, for as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Peter's explaining himself. He said that God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we received the Holy Spirit. What was the gift that he gave the Jews when they received the Holy Spirit? 
They were speaking in the languages that the people could understand. It says in Acts chapter 2, I think it says that they were uh, glorifying the works of God. They were uh, uh, rehearsing what God had done. And so he says the same gift that was given to the Jews at Pentecost is here given to the Gentiles at this, you know, some people call this the Gentile Pentecost. So the reason why you see this is because every time salvation moves, like I said, only time that uh, that that uh, speaking in a tongue when the reception of the Holy Spirit comes is mentioned in Acts is three times. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. And we'll get to that when the, the, the disciples of John the Baptist came. And what you see is every time salvation moves to a new people group, when a new people group is added into the kingdom of God, they need, nobody's going to believe Peter. That's why he brought those six witnesses with him. Nobody's going to, Peter go back to the Jewish council and said, look, hey, the Gentiles are part of the kingdom of God. Now, nobody's going to believe him. They didn't even, they were about to get on him because he went into a Gentile's house in Acts chapter 11. And so what they saw was as Peter was preaching, it's almost like the Holy Spirit cut Peter off. You know, in the middle of Peter's sermon, the Holy Spirit descends upon these Gentiles who believed. It said right there in chapter 11, verse 17, that they believed. It says, let me read it again. Uh, verse chapter 11 verse 17 for as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ what was I that I could withstand God he says when they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit descended upon them and it says that they began to speak with tongues I would I would translate it languages and magnify God how did they know they were magnifying God how did the Jews know that the Gentiles were magnifying God because they could understand them. If I were to speak the word of God to you in a language that you don't understand, would you know that I'm magnifying God? Who said, yeah? Nobody? Yeah. Well, let's try it. I can say, You go, boy. I just spoke to you the word of God. Did you know that? Did it edify you in any way? Did it help you? I just quoted Acts chapter 2, verse 38. But I could have been cursing. You'd have no idea. Okay? You understand? They knew, they knew that they were magnifying God because they understood these Romans didn't know Aramaic. These Romans didn't know Hebrew. They didn't know the language of of this, you know, indigenous people. Everybody spoke Greek. That was the merchant language. That was the business language. That was the language the Romans used, either either Latin, Latin or Greek. But the common language was Greek. You could do anything unless you spoke Greek. All the Hebrews spoke Greek. You had to if you wanted to do business. So Greek was the koine. It was the it was the common language. And so when these Romans, a Roman centurion, an officer in the army of Rome, starts speaking Hebrew, starts speaking Aramaic, and 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 probably saying, I would say, saying the same God glorifying things that the Jews were saying in Acts chapter two. They knew that salvation had come. They knew that they were magnifying God. And salvation had come to the Gentiles. Does that make sense? So the point of all this, the point of all this is that the door has been kicked wide open 
for all of the world to come into the kingdom of God. All of the world can come. Not just Jew, not just Gentile, not male, not female, not slave, not free, not the people who just act good, not the people with a good past or a bad past, not the not this person over that person. Peter started his sermon with, I know now that God does not make a distinction between persons. And from this point on, from Acts chapter 10 on, we're going to see Paul going to the Gentiles. And from this point on, the church is going to start becoming more and more predominantly Gentile. It's going to start becoming more and more. And, and you ought to be glad that it is because all of us in here are Gentile. You know, my mom did one of them DNA things where you send it off because she was adopted. You know, we don't know her family at all. And, and it turns out I'm like 25% Jewish. Did you know that? It, you probably knew that because of the nose, right? But anyway... But it does. You and I are Gentiles, and we can come into we can come into God's kingdom by faith in Christ, just like anybody else. Okay, everybody understand? If you got any questions, I'd love to talk to you. But we got to pray. We got to go. Okay. Lord, we love you and we thank you today. We thank you for all that you did and all that you've done. We ask that you'd be with us, Lord.